You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. Our podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify and on SoundCloud. For more information and to listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this episode, a recording from the fourth webinar organised as part of Framing Ageing, a clinical, cultural and social dialogue. The webinar consisted of panel six, practice one. The first speaker was Dr Hilary Moss from University of Limerick, who spoke on the role of the arts in the lives of older people before, during and after a hospital stay, aesthetic neglect or enrichments. Great, thanks so much. I'm going to talk today about the role of the arts in the lives of older people before, during and after a hospital stay and talk about my work primarily in Tala Hospital, working with Des O'Neill and researching uh, how older people use the arts and aesthetics as part of their everyday life. So what I'm going to talk about is a survey. The starting point is a survey that we did of 150 older people in hospital and asking them about their cultural and aesthetic interests before, during and after hospital stay. And that will then be, I suppose, a jumping off point to look at how the aesthetics and arts um, allow people to have some kind of control over their environment and their experience in healthcare and living with chronic illness. And I think a, a really central part of this is looking at the instrumental and the intrinsic value of the arts in healthcare settings. So just the starting point is the the survey. I hope you can see these slides okay. The survey of the 150 people, which was back in 2015. And I'm going to give you a whirlwind tour of the results, um, the kind of key things. So in terms of pre-hospital, we mapped what people are interested in doing in terms of art forms using the Arts Council of Ireland list of art forms, which are about 15 different ways of engaging and different uh, mediums. The most popular art forms for this population uh, of people mainly over 75 were dancing, music and film. And this was interesting in that I think that often when we think about uh, designing programmes for older people or working with older people in terms of health and well-being and the arts, there's a danger that we tend to decide for people what they might want and plan it for them and not actually ask anyone what they're doing in the first place. And I'm going to quote Des because he has a, has a great phrase that, you know, if you or I went to, uh, to wanted to engage, we'd go to a concert or the theatre or a film, whereas we give older people in healthcare settings and social care settings a workshop. Um, so, you know, I think we need to be thinking about what they want. And what came out of this, one of the interesting findings was the dancing, that that was hugely important to older people in their earlier life, perhaps particularly an, an Irish group of older people who recalled the dances they went to in great detail and uh, one of the results of that was to have a dancer in residence in the age-related healthcare unit, which I think none of us had really been able to imagine being possible. The other kind of key finding was that there were huge drops in arts activity levels during hospital stay and post-hospital. So I'm just going to talk about during the hospital stay. Um, quite uh, shocking statistics, but probably quite normal across all hospitals. So only 42% of this group of 150 older people watch TV of their choice in hospital and less watch films of their choice. Only 34% had control over whether the radio or TV was on or off. 
So really important problems here in terms of having control over your environment and being able to individualize your space. Um, but also interesting to note that people listen to music, they read for pleasure. And what we found and what we find in the research is that participative arts are given all the attention when receptive arts are actually what many of us do. So many of us receive music or we read, you know, I suppose there's a whole discussion about receptive and passive and, you know, you're still engaged even if you're a recept you know, a, 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 an audience member. But I think it's important that we also look at those because they really are underrepresented in the research. And then there was a significant issue around noise and as was noise pollution. So post-hospital, there was a large reduction in the numbers of older people who then attended cultural activities. And we know that, you know, where people are frail, if they come to hospital, they may well not get back up to their former level of activity. But there were significant things reported by this group that it was partly the lack of physical mobility, you know, that comes with maybe a stroke or another issue, but there were and transport issues and those sort of barriers, but a big one was the loss of confidence and social isolation. So I think it really gives a message to cultural institutions to need to be thinking about how they engage audiences of older people. Um, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about negative and everyday aesthetics, and I would really recommend these two books to you, particularly Eureka Saito's work on everyday aesthetics. So I suppose the idea of this is that um, things that we use every day, such as the coffee cup we drink from, the sheets we sleep in, in our bed, are really important aesthetic uh, moments in our lives and perhaps much more important than access to high art when we're ill or in hospital. So thinking quite differently about aesthetics. Um, the other person I would recommend is Brian Lawson, a book called The Language of Space. He's an architect who looked, he's retired now, but he looked at psychology and, and space, healthcare spaces and in terms of design. And really interesting work where he showed that it didn't make any difference to your, your outcomes in terms of your health and recovery if you were in a single bedroom in hospital or a shared ward. But what makes the difference is whether you have a choice or some control over that and if it's your preferred environment. So you do better where you feel you're in the environment you want to be in, but it doesn't actually make any difference which environment you're in otherwise. So just a few examples of a, um, everyday aesthetics, a few different types of bed, from the hospital bed to a, a very lavish bed, um, and you know obviously ones that are designed specifically for children. And the one in the middle is an art therapy project by somebody who worked in Tala Hospital, uh, Amy O'Neill, who worked with this little boy, Sammy, um, while he was in traction and created a pirate ship out of his bed, which is a really one of the most creative projects I saw in giving him his own space and his his identity and what a fabulous job they did together. So can, can we do the do aesthetics and the arts and humanities give us a sense of control over our environment and experience when we're in healthcare? Is it relevant? Is it important? Well, a couple of examples from well, the one on the right is from Tala Hospital, not the one on the left. I'm sure no, no offices are like that. Um, but I suppose the, you know, coming into hospital for most of us is it, there's an anxiety involved. Even if it's something as minor as a blood test, people do tend to get anxious. They're in the unknown. They're in some something, an environment that's institutional and clinical. It's just different and strange. And I think people can get very nervous. And for some reason, we become quite passive and de-skilled. We don't know very much um, and we don't know how our bodies work and we have to trust in people 
And I think the aesthetics can make a huge difference in building that kind of communication of welcome, of safety, of um, maybe, you know, that this is going to be okay, you're going to be well looked after. And this is an example, I think it's a hospital in Bristol, uh, a chemotherapy suite that ha and the the screens are individually commissioned by an artist. And you can see there the colour, it just creates a much more uh, comforting environment, perhaps also quite individual, possibly stimulating because of the artwork, and also, of course, personal space, privacy. So if you're interested in this area, I'd recommend to you the um, Rutledge Companion to Health Humanities, which came out earlier this year. Um, and I think this, this quote sums up for me some of the issues for humanities in healthcare. The humanities appear to have little instrumental purpose. Thus, it is difficult to justify their purpose in life in general, let alone in healthcare. So a couple, I'm just going to talk a little bit about instrumental versus uh, intrinsic uh, value of the arts in healthcare. So a couple of examples. So this is an MRI scanner and you can see, this is in Tala, and you can see on the ceiling a commissioned artwork. It's really beautiful. It's very, it's, it's very instrumental in its, in its reasoning in that it's, it's to help people feel less anxious, to distract people while they look at the image. Um, and I suppose that's an example of the instrumental value. This also um, working again with the same art therapist. This is syringe art. So the child is using the safe part of a syringe to make art. And these are children who are afraid of needles and have diabetes. So there's a, a huge issue here in terms of compliance with, with pinprick tests and injections. So this is a very direct clinical use of art to help those children to comply with treatment. Some other examples with older people of making art in the hospital. And I think perhaps these are more intrinsic benefits in that it's about enjoying yourself, passing your time in a much more constructive way um, and expressing yourself. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. But I would recommend this film to you. It's a 15 minute film called The Dance Back Home. And it was filmed in the age related unit in Tala. And it's of a dancer in residence called Ailish Claffey. So this came directly from that, that piece of research where we, we realised we wanted to try and have a dancer in the place. And it's a beautiful film that shows both intrinsic and instrumental values. So there's a lot of links with the physiotherapists in terms of helping people in their rehab to exercise through dance. But there's also, as you see here, Ailish dancing outside, um, just the intrinsic benefits of dance as well. And I suppose... Um, this links in, I often come back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So although in hospital, many people told me that they actually want to park their aesthetic interests when they're in hospital because they're dealing with pain, they're dealing with maybe life-limiting issues. They're, they're, they're busy at the bottom two levels of this pyramid, the biological, physiological and safety needs. But in that, in that hierarchy of psychological needs, aesthetics, beauty, creativity are named and they are specifically important in our psychology and our balance. And it may be that at times in healthcare, they are left to one side, but they can't be ignored forever. And they can't be ignored if someone's in a longer term healthcare institution, such as a nursing home. So I think the most important intrinsic value of the arts in a hospital context, are, I think, is around narrative and telling my story. So stories help us to communicate meaning insight, perspective, and to articulate complexities. And I think it's about those, you know, those big questions and reflecting on life, um, that stories make a way to make sense of our human experience. 
Um, so, for example, working with medical students, I don't think it's about necessarily increasing people's empathy or listening skills that we have medical humanities. For me, the, one of the main things is just understanding people's experience through their stories, whether that's in film or song, um, and really understanding what it might be like for someone else in that way. Um, and I think as well, I'm very uh, against this kind of idea of a split between the STEM and humanities. I, I, my experience is not that, that there's two completely different ways of looking at the world. And I think where sometimes we meet is in these grey areas where there might be ethical conundrums in healthcare, there may be kind of unanswerable questions, there may be sort of living with a long-term condition and not necessarily having all the answers, that sometimes then uh, that's where we can find shared space. So this is the best book I've read in a while in terms of medical, like narratives of healthcare. Um, Sinead Gleason's book, Constellations, I'd really recommend it to you. So perhaps humanity shift the territory of bioethics from the certainty of the empirical and rational world to the uncertainty, ambiguity and indeterminacy of the artistic. It's very tempting, and I've seen this many times in hospital, to drop the talk about beauty altogether and steer the discussion towards more quantifiable matters such as cost, sustainability and economic benefits. And perhaps art is needed to gesture towards mysteries left by science. So I think I have just a couple more minutes, hopefully, yeah. Um, I just wanted to tell you about a project, a composer in residence project with the composer Ian Wilson and members of the Irish Chamber Orchestra. And Ian composed a piece based on the experience of dementia in this case. And you see here the first performance in the hospital. And I just wanted to play a little clip of the first movement just to illustrate how we might think about of people's experience through the arts. So um, this is written for violin, viola, double bass, who you see here, and saxophone. And in this short clip, this movement is called The Appointment. And in this clip, Ian, is when he wrote this, was exploring the experience of being in the outpatient clinic with a person with dementia, with the clinicians, probably the doctor, maybe a nurse, maybe two or three doctors, I'm not sure, but a lot of busyness and the family members also there, also with their agenda. So a very busy clinic, and you'll hear that in the string players. And then the saxophone tends in this work to represent um, the person with dementia. And you may hear how, how this person is experiencing it and how connected or disconnected they are, or how their voice is being heard or ignored. <laughs> Thank you. 
I mean, that work, if you're interested in that, and if you're interested in music and dementia, we're having a special event on the 14th, the 15th of March. I'll put it into the chat. Um, Des and I are organising that, and it's uh, exploring music and positive ageing and dementia. So I suppose in terms of control, it's an area I've got very interested in, um, whether we can uh, control how music is used to benefit people in healthcare and how the humanities are always seen as something very positive, but actually they can harm and, it, and music can cause damage to people in distress. So I just wanted to kind of make a mention of that, particularly an example being how music was used to control in Guantanamo Bay and in the Holocaust as a, a form of torture um, and how music sometimes connects social groups together very strongly, but that can actually alienate other people. So my colleagues in Northern Ireland would find that very commonly in terms of music choices, perhaps in a nursing home, would very clearly um, bring together people from one religious tradition over another. And just to finish off to say that uh, I suppose interdisciplinarity is, I think for me, the way to go in terms of humanities and healthcare and clinical um, research. And this book is the one I would recommend to you, Rethinking Interdisciplinarity Across the Social Sciences and Neurosciences. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Framing Aging. For more information on the project and to access podcasts and videos from our events, check out the project website at framingaging.ucd.ie.